in advance to our non-U.S. listeners today because this segment is going to be very central to U.S. politics and the history of sort of U.S. politics, um, which I hope in light of everything that's been going on recently may actually be interesting because I feel like a lot of people who are not in the U.S. might be kind of enjoying watching it, democracy implode in on itself. So on October 20th, 1973, President Richard Nixon ordered the firing of a independent investigator who had been looking into the Watergate scandal. So this, this all kind of came during the investigation of the House Committee on the Judiciary's investigation into the Watergate break-in. So I'm not going to go into Watergate too deeply, but you just need to know that after Nixon's presidency, Watergate became synonymous with political corruption at the largest scale. Um, And it did refer to one specific thing, which was the break-in to the Democratic National Headquarters at the Watergate Hotel. But it really now more broadly refers to all of the things that Nixon and his administration did that were politically corrupt or that were in some way an abuse of power and there were there's quite a laundry list of things that kind of fall under the broader implications of Watergate and what Watergate has sort of come to represent at a political level so one of the things that was going on at this time was that Nixon had been subpoenaed to let go of some tapes that he had that he had recordings he had of, of conversations that had taken place in the Oval Office he refused to give them up and then you know he said okay well fine I will only give these tapes up if they can be reviewed in some by Senator John Stennis. So John Stennis was a senator who was notoriously hard of hearing. So when Nixon tried to make this into like his one condition for releasing these tapes, everybody was like not fooled. They were like, Nixon, you are not going to gaslight us that bad because we know what you're trying to do. So seeing that nobody had been fooled by his attempt to gaslight them, he started calling for the firing of this investigator. And I think basically what people have kind of agreed to here is that he knew he was getting close. He knew the investigation was kind of closing in on him and that he was going to, you know, meet some kind of terrible fate as a result of that. So he started basically going to the people involved and calling for them to be fired. So the thing is, is that the special prosecutor couldn't be fired by the president because he was independently hired for this. He had to be fired by the attorney general and the attorney general couldn't just fire him willy nilly. He had to have a very specific reason. And in fact, the attorney general had said before Congress that he would not under any circumstances fire this man for any reason that had to do with the Watergate scandal. So then Nixon orders Attorney General Elliot Richardson to fire the special prosecutor whose name was Archibald Cox and Richardson said absolutely fucking not. I am not going to fire him. That would be illegal and I'm not going to do it. And he resigned in protest. So then Richardson having resigned Nixon had to go to the Deputy Attorney General who's a man named named William Ruckelshaus and he too said absolutely not. I am not going to do this because it's a 
illegal. And then he resigned. So ultimately, having basically forced out two of the most like high-ranking people in the U.S. government, Nixon then went to Solicitor General Robert Bork. Now, Bork did go through with the firing of Archibald Cox, but not without some apprehension. After he was fired, Archibald Cox gave a pretty lengthy press conference, pretty impassioned as well. One of the things he said in that press conference was, whether ours shall continue to be a government of laws and not of men is now for Congress and ultimately the American people. So then what ended up happening, of course, is that about a month later, uh, in November of 1973, the federal district attorney, Gerhard Gesell, basically ruled that Cox's firing had been illegal. And like, duh, of course it had been illegal. Congress thought that Nixon had absolutely abused his power, and this wasn't the only example of him abusing his power. But by this point, when Congress had actually started to call it out, the American people also became woke to Richard Nixon's, uh, you know, house of cards, like Frank Underwood level of political manipulation and corruption. And they started to call for him to be impeached. So what's interesting about this is that people do generally remember that Nixon did ultimately resign uh, because he was actively being impeached. Um, but the initial proceedings for the impeachment didn't happen for about nine months after the Saturday Night Massacre. Um, and all told, his resignation didn't come until August of 1974, which was almost a year. It was about 10 months after the events uh, of the Saturday, Saturday Night Massacre.